He's in a lot of trouble. Snapmare, no. Oh, look at that move by Beefcake. He dropped him just like a bad habit. Well, that brought this capacity crowd to their feet. Davy Boy tried to go over the back to you, but he didn't make it. I did not see that. I have not seen that before from Brutus Beefcake. That is quite a move indeed. Brutus Beefcake has come an awful long way here in the World Wrestling Federation. And he goes with the hammerlock and rams the shoulder of Davy Boy right into that top turnbuckle and makes the tag to the hammer. And the hammer unloading with a beautiful elbow right off the top turnbuckle. The tide has turned here, the pendulum has shifted, and is now in favor of the champions. And just that quick, too, that's the amazing part of this great sport. Perhaps shoulder breaker. Oh, yes, and well executed. You called it, Gorilla. Oh, look at that, he didn't want oh. the three count, I can't believe it. You've got to be kidding me. The hammer taking a big chance here. Probably could have had a three count. Davy Boy perched up on that second rope. What's he thinking about? Oh. Holy Moses rammed right head first. And got oh, it's over. Oh, my it's like that. It's over. I can't oh, believe it. History made here at WrestleMania 2. You have got to be kidding me. This place is coming apart. Pandemonium broken loose here in the Rosemont Horizon as history made in WrestleMania 2 as we have new World Wrestling Federation. Champions. There are some things you always take for granted in life, and one of those things is the unity and friendship of the British Bulldogs. This is Jim Davies in the Stampede Wrestling Locker Room, and there was a terrible misunderstanding in that last boat. Dynamite Kid thought that Davy Boy Smith had ambushed him. Wait one minute. I didn't think for one second it was Davy Boy Smith. I know for a fact it was Davy Boy Smith who came to the ring and hit me over the head with a stick. Why? I don't know. But my own belief is, David Boy Smith, you are jealous of the Dynamite Kid. You've been jealous from the Dynamite Kid from day one. It was only two days ago when I spoke to the good Lord Almighty himself, the good Lord John Foley. He said, kid, never trust David Boy Smith. He told me that seven, eight, nine years ago. David Boy, you try and double cross me. I was in that ring. I spilled my blood with Johnny Smith. He spilled his blood. The match had nothing whatsoever to do with you. But no, you had to come in, hit me over the head with a stick. You're making I, a mistake. I'm not making no mistake. I did not touch him with that stick. Everybody in the arena knows it was Bob Brown. Why would I hit you with a stick? Listen, why would family tell lies? Johnny Smith told me. Johnny Smith. You're just a dirty low-life liar. 2,000 people in the arena saw you whack dynamite with a cane. I saw you whack him with it. I know you whacked him with it. You just he jealous. did not. Yeah, he did. Yes, you whacked him right on the back blind. of the head. You interfered in the match. You should have kept your you nose out of him. You've always been right on the top of the dynamite. Family. Family does not tell lies. Johnny Smith is my family. And as from now, you are not. Holy. We need some help in here. We need some help. They're going after Davy Boy Smith. It's Johnny Smith and Dynamite Kid after Davy Boy. Here comes Chris Benoit. It's mayhem. Benoit gets slammed down. Now it's Smith. They're going after Benoit. Dynamite Kid and Johnny Smith. We need more help in here. Ron Ritchie. This is insanity. 
This is insanity, obviously. Davy Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid are finished. This is the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, presented by Hami Media and the Pro Wrestling Reflection, where we discuss the very best of the best in pro wrestling history. And what you gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest arms in the world revolve on you? The two soundest wrestlers in the World Wrestling Federation, maybe in the history of the World Wrestling Federation, are right here, right now. Mr. Perfect and the excellence of execution, the Hitman. WrestleMania weekend isn't complete without the heartbreak kid, and he is on his way. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. They think they got the answers. I change the question. You will rest in in Ric Flair, who you're looking at, the man. We're doing it live, and every time we do it live, this motherfucker is turning his back on the professor. This motherfucker is like, you know, redecorating the, the, the Hall of Wonders. This motherfucker is like, you know, he's dismissive of all the reflectionites on the videos, on the audios. But you know what? I am right in your faces. I am right on the speakers for all the reflectionites. For the Magnificent 70 Elite 8, the 99, the Terrific 10, the Haminites, the Big Vitoites, the Reflectionites. All the ice all over the world, the left, the right, the dams, the repubs. This motherfucker's still looking around. What the hell is this doing? He's going! <laughs> you know what? We've been doing this for seven years, Reflection Nights. It's nothing new to the professor. It's just more, you know, as the years wane, you know, I get depressed sometimes. You know, it's a mental thing right now. You know, I just want him to look at me. No gay shit. Thank you! He's looking at me, finally! But anyway, welcome or welcome to the PWR podcast here at the Hami. He is still looking around with the Welcome to the PWR podcast here at the Hami Media Group at Podbeam.com. And welcome or welcome to the PWR Spotlight. And before we even talk about who we're doing a spotlight on, it's a tag team uh, edition of the spotlight. I must introduce myself because I am vain like that. I must introduce myself so I can get a couple of years younger, so I can lose those gray hairs on my face, lose the gray hairs on my head, lose the gray hairs on the on my ass cheeks. But it is what it is. Don't give me that look. It, see now you're looking at me you because have, I face hair up. on your ass cheeks. It's great, but it, neither here nor there. But now he's looking at me. He's not looking around. He's not like looking down. But once I say something like that, he's looking at me attentively. Thank you very much. But anyway, I am the most charismatic one. I am the most scholarly one. I am the most effervescent one. I am the most affluent one. But most importantly, I am the most glorious one. The only objective man in this IWC 
YWC, PWC, Punditry. The only objective man in this political spectrum. You're a friend of mine, the Professor Chabelle Cruz. And I'm not here alone. No, 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 no. I am here with my brother from another mother, the conservative liberal, the liberal conservative, the man that is has no shame right now. He is, for the audio reflection, he is wearing a Michigan State shirt. Even though what's going on right now with Michigan State, their football coach is a pedophile. Nah, he's not a pedophile, but he is an alleged rapist. He's an alleged uh, sex offender. He is an alleged, you know, he's a he's a groper. He's a he, well, I don't know what he is, but right now he is looking Home at some sack. hard times. He is looking at some hard times, not like big boss man hard times, but he's looking at some hard times coming up. He is your friend of mine, Mr. Wonderful. Dum dum doing it soon. Tommy Wonder, don't take off the shirt. You know you are what you are. You are Michigan State. Spartan through and through, but you know what? We just have to, you know, I have to let the cat out of the bag for all the audio reflectionites. I'm not saying that I believe the, the victim, but you know what? It isn't until you're proven guilty. Isn't that the same TW? It used to be. Mm-hmm. Short no and point. sweet to the point. Short and sweet to the point. I thought you wanted to vent. I thought you wanted to ramble. I thought you wanted to well, say something. You know, well, I just, I just feel like, you know, when you hear the word sexual assault, you think some heavy shit went down, and then you hear what he's actually accused of doing, you, you, you have questions. And mm-hmm. you know what? I is it I, questions I, that maybe Quincy we'll lose a couple answer. listeners? Is it questions that Quincy can answer? Matt Lock can answer? No, it's it's a simple question. Uh, if this dude's on a phone and she's somewhere else also on the phone and he's doing something that she's disgusted by why is she still on the phone that's all that's my only question but what i'm saying is a why are we guilty until proven so that's got to end b mm-hmm. and this might cost us a couple listeners but i hey listen i don't convict people without evidence and so this whole believe the accuser nonsense yeah that was great until a bunch of them got caught lying and mm-hmm. I'm not just going to automatically assume someone's telling the truth, especially when it's some stuff where you just question you. Like, if you and I are on the phone call and I even have an inkling that you're doing that on the other end, I'm hanging up, Professor. And I'll tell you to call. I'll text you later. Call me back when you're done. But I'm not going to stay on the phone. And then I'm uh, not unless call. I text you a picture of me doing that. So then that would be equally as bad. So then know, I'm going to say, so first of all, call back, but make it FaceTime. Don't don't make it. a. We're going to get canceled. That, that was probably <laughs> a little too far. I'm just saying whether she's lying or he's lying, someone's lying. Mm-hmm. The guy admitted doing what she said he did, but said, oh, P.S., her and I were in a consensual relationship. So this is a big case that he said, she said. And if you remember a few years back, my uh, namesake, my good man, Kobe Bryant. Uh, was mm-hmm. he guilty of cheating on his wife? Absolutely. Was that girl that he was cheating on his wife with trying to fleece that dude for some money? Absolutely. And that's was, my and problem. Was that, was that girl from Colorado a dog? Absolutely too. So right. you know, it is what it is. And I'm not. But, we're, gonna ta- we're not going to talk about the details of that story. But the fact that she said he could do it there, but not there, and he did it there mm-hmm. anyway, sounds like bullshit to me. Yeah, so, it, it is what it is. You're right. It is a he said, she said it. You know what? Reflectionites. Since we are very nostalgic, you know, Google that movie with Michael Douglas and Demi Moore. Disclosure. That's the same thing that just happened. But it's a, you know, it's it it no white. Well, that too. Again, <laughs> it's illegal to be a sugar daddy. So, you know, th- this guy from Michigan State should have been a sugar daddy. And then it could have been a tax evasion thing instead of sexual harassment. But right. 
It's neither here nor there. We don't, we're not talking about today's politics. We're not talking about today's pop culture. We are doing what we do best. We are the most nostalgic podcast out here in this IWC, YWC, PWC, Pundentry. And it's apropos, TW, that we do a PWR spotlight. We haven't done a, we haven't done a, a real spotlight where we honed in on somebody in a, in a while because, again, the last spotlight we did, circumstances was beyond our control. But we did a freestyle one. This time we just go back to the formula, but you know we add a little bit of freestyle elements to it. But I thought it was apropos, just like last week I told TW, we're going to do a tag team spotlight, and we're going to focus on the career of one of the top 10 tag teams probably ever in professional wrestling history. But again, it's very debatable because that, that's a good way to start it, right? We're going to talk about the career of the Dynamite Kid and Davey Boy Smith, respectively. The British Bulldogs, TW. And again, people will put them on that Rushmore as a top 10 tag team of all time. The, the pedigree is there, you know, and we'll talk about it. And I'm going to kind of hyphen it up, TW, first. But then we'll, I'm going to elaborate more as we go on with this show. But they started out first as opponents. You know, they had a feud with each other. So you already know that that formula, the chemistry is there between Dynamite Kid and David Boy Smith. The athleticism is there for both of them. And, of course, they went to the WWF. And, of course, they were at the right place at the right time. And not, not by the WWF standards, TW. I'm saying the 80 standards where tag team wrestling was at a premium. And you needed faces. You needed recognizable team names. And you couldn't get more recognizable than the British Bulldogs. And, you know, the old school British Bulldogs, whether they were wearing, wearing the red trunks with the bulldog symbol on the back of their butts, or the when they were at WrestleMania two, where they wore, I think it was like navy blue, navy teal blue, and the and the the gold, not not the gold, but the brown, you know, bulldog standards. I don't know if it was on the on their on their thighs or their butts too, but that was some excellent, you know, gear that they were wearing. Powder and of blue, course, not navy uh, teal. <laughs> Thank you very much. You. I love when TW corrects me on my grammar and uh, on the logistics, but. You know, and then they had the uh, they had the tights with the UK flag on their butts too. So, you know, TW, like I said, in the '80s, tag teams were a premium. What say you about the the British Bulldogs? Do they belong in that conversation as a top ten tag team of all time, or you know, do you see something different, or is it just because as the years wane, because now we're in 2020 thrust? You know, back then there was no FTR. Back then, there was no Young Bucks. Back then, there was no, you know, Eliminators. Back then, there was no Harlem Heat. You know what I mean? More tag teams have come along the pike. So, you know, have they ever lost that top 10 mantle or they will always still be a top 10 true and true on anybody's Rushmore, in your humble opinion? The, so you said that... Uh... The, the tag teams, not the WWE standard, but they were, but in the first match that you had me watch against Valentine and Beefcake, the dream team, Vince mm -hmm. McMahon said, tag team wrestling is at an all-time high here. And I would argue, yes, it went away. Mm -hmm. But tag team wrestling in the 80s got as big as it got because of the WWE. Because I don't even think AEW, and if they did, it would, conquistadors, I'll give you, that's, that's, it's but they no 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 I'm not I'm not but I have to push back. It's not because of the WWE. It was the NWA? It was AWA? Well, no, it was no, the, the Road Wars? All no, that? No, stuff. I got a point. I got a okay. point. 
Go ahead with the point. At any given time, the NWA or the AWA, yeah, they had great tag teams, but they had four of them. What I was saying is in 87 and 88, you had two different Survivor Series matches with 10 tag teams in it. I don't even think AEW has 10 tag teams right now, and if they do, it would be throwing two guys together or, you know, like, I think, people, I think people will say AEW supposedly when they started in 2019 TW. I'm just I, I understand where you're going with, but I'm I'm the most objective man in this. They have a roster of tag teams. The, the uh, reason they, I have, they had up, a ten they had a ten team roster deep. I don't know about now, but they did. They started but like that. I brought them up because they would be the closest thing to the modern day of 1987-88. And they gotcha. were ten. There was different teams in each year. There were some that were on both. But there, mm-hmm. there, there were teams that were on the first one that weren't on the second one. So you're talking 14, 16 tag teams, right? My Give point being, every single one of them, including the Conquistadors by that time, before they were jobbers, but mm-hmm. when they got there, they all could have won it. And you wouldn't have been surprised by any of them winning it, right? So, right. so I would say, to say Vince hates tag team wrestling, I think Vince might not have got it because he wants to see the the Hulk Hogan's, the John Cena's, the stars. And in that first match, had Beefcake not got hosed by Honky Tonk Man, that first match of the Dream Team versus Bulldog and Dynamite, three out of the four guys would have been Intercontinental Champions. And that means Davey Boy and Valentine both mm-hmm. were two-thirds of the Triple Crown, which is unheard of. People, Pedro did it. He got the Triple Crown. And then one other, Brett did it. Sean mm-hmm. did it. Now a million guys have done it since. But back then, I don't think we truly appreciate the careers that Davy Boy and he was European champion. But Dick, and Greg the Hammer Valentine to a lesser extent. I mean, this guy had the NWA US title. He was probably tag team champions there too. We look at a lot of guys in the history of WWE uh, that never had a belt in WWF, mm-hmm. right? WWE, and yet Bulldog and and Hammer under our nose were two thirds of the of the triple crown champion and and i don't even think we realize it at, in the moment right first of all the, the tag team title and the intercontinental for bulldog were so far apart but then didn't he win him again with someone else him and owen had him right mm-hmm. yeah yeah so it's, but wait, wait, wait. I, i'm asking a different question now you're going on a different tangent no, what i'm I saying think- is those tag teams vince would vault singles careers out of them that's that's what I'm saying. They did. He didn't want to keep people in tag teams. He wanted mm-hmm. tag team wrestling to draw, but he also wanted to find out who was the Marty Jannetty and who was the Shawn Michaels. And if you look mm-hmm. at the WWF and the history of them, and even the Dudley Boys didn't do it there, but they've done it since in other places, Impact or whatever. All these tag teams, there's at least one of them that wants more, right? Okay. And in this case, it was Bulldog, not Dynamite. But my point is. Tag team wrestling was as big as it was, at least for me in my life and my time, especially fast forward, the Dudleys, the the Hardys and Edge and Christian, those three tore it up all the time. And all these guys ended up becoming singles guys. So I think that's where the WWE disconnect is with the fans. They don't keep people tag teams. They make stars out of one of them. No, I get that. But the question was with the tag teams, of the evolution. Mm-hmm. My question was, would the, are the British Bulldogs still oh, a top 10? Absolutely. absolutely. That's all I, I, I understand where you go with this, but I was like, wait a minute. I think well, I was, you said a lot before you turned it over to me. And one of the things was, it wasn't WWE standard, but tag team wrestling right. was hot. I yes, was disagreeing yes. with it not being a WWE 
hot, right? But I would I would compare them because Bulldog went on to have a nice singles career and more mm-hmm. tag team stuff. I would say that they count, and and I think I because of this I will bump them up my list, probably put them back at three where they belong behind okay. the Rockers and the Brainbusters because that window is is similar to the Austin window. He was around mm-hmm. before it. But that window of Austin 316 at two to three years where there was nothing bigger ever to this mm-hmm. day. If Austin's going to be considered one of the goats in singles wrestling, when he only had that small window before he got hurt and had to quit, mm-hmm. then the Bulldogs should be there too. Because one of the two of the things that we're watching, talking about today, one of them's in Japan. One of them's in Calgary. I think Japan. Yeah. No, I might have watched a different thing in Japan that you didn't tell me to watch. The Bulldogs versus the the Malenkos. Uh, yeah, I didn't tell at, you about that one. Right. It came we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about that later, but that's okay. But the, the point is, these guys also did stuff outside of the WWE that we might not have known about then. But I, mm-hmm. I find out a little bit more every day from doing the show with you. I mean, I knew about the Rock and Roll Express match, but... They they did do more stuff. There was a bigger window than we remember, but the window for WWE was like 86 to, to 88, 89, and then they kind of well, fell we, off. If, if we want to say with the Bulldogs, you know, especially on the WWE scale, it was actually 84 to 88. So, and in that, per, that parameter reflectionites where Tommy is, what Tommy is saying and I want to like expound on that because I agree with you a little bit because of what you said with Austin. That 80s tag team wrestling scene is a boom period. It's a so pin- with that, yeah, it's the pinnacle, whatever. Like I said, with the NWA, the Road Wars, the Rock and Rolls, the you know, Midnights, Bulldogs, Rider, Foundation, Russians, Long Riders, Russians. But that was the boom period of tag team wrestling. That was the boom period where every where all tag team wrestlers stocks. Were at its highest, at its phoenix, it was crypto. It was at its most valuable point before it fizzled out. And then, you know, the 90s, and then, of course, the 90s and the 2000s, you know, we could celebrate certain tag teams. You know, Billy Ray Valentine from the PW Hustle says the Eliminators are one of his favorite tag teams of all time. I don't know where he puts that on his mantle. I love the Eliminators from the ECW myself, but I can't say that the top three tag team of all time is more subjective. But I love them. But as, as you say, with the but in my it could be you know, your favorite and not no, be no. the best. Right. And and being subjective, again, people have always said Road Warriors are one, but then the Dudleys, because of the longevity and what they've done, should be one A or two. So that's the same thing. So that that's the that's the thing. I that's what I was trying to say with the Bulldog, because again, the evolution of tag teams, some people's stock has risen, some people have done more. Like FTR right now, one of my favorite, you already know FTR is one of my favorite tag teams because of what they do, what they represent. You might not like some of their political stuff or their tangents on social media. I get you with that, but I'm only going with what's in the ring. They're one of the best tag teams in the last five, six years from what they started in NXT to what they're doing now in AEW and all the accomplishments per se. So I think FTR has moved up into the top 10. So I might, you might have to, you know, reflectionize take somebody from the boom period of the 80s down. Easy thing would probably be the killer bees, but that's just me. But I'm just saying, T.W., you get where I'm going. If you got to move like FTR or the Dudleys into your top 10, some of the boom period tag teams, the long riders, even Manny Fernandez, Rick Rude, and, you know, the killer bees, 
even if you want to be funny with the conquistadors, you got to move them down off the top 10 and some of these new tag teams. Do you agree with that assessment or something like that? Right, but there's, there's two different lists. It's, I always tell people the music analogy. You, mm-hmm. you know, if you see an album that says greatest hits, that's an album of songs that were commercially successful. If you right. see an album that says best of, that means the band put together the list and these are our best songs, what they think are, right? Mm-hmm. So the Dudley Boys are... Fuck, they're top five if you're talking accolades, right? Because right. they've won it everywhere. And mm-hmm. FTR, they're the modern day version of that. Now, I will say this: you're, this is gonna hurt your feelings. I don't think hurt my feelings. I, I'm very sensitive. FTR right stands out because they're not like the modern flippy floppy tag teams. Now they are a throwback to the shit we liked where the Bulldogs and the Killer Bees were the only ones flipping around until the Rockers came around. Most mm-hmm. of it was ground-based, teamwork, all that stuff. Still awesome, but it was hard-hitting. It was double-teaming more than mm-hmm. it was moonsaults. And, like, I'm glad you didn't say Young Bucks because the one that looks like Dwight Yoakam, the older, balder one, I don't even know if he's older, he does the same sequence where he does, like, 17 high spots in a row Mm-hmm. In the exact same order, and then gets in the ring and does this, and everyone goes, "This is awesome." And I, if I was there, I'd go again, again, because he does the exact same formulated shit, and the people mm-hmm. eat it like pigs eating in a trough. But the mm-hmm. FTR isn't like that, so they stand out for that reason. But if you put the FTR in '87, '88, they're not even close to the best. That's what I would say. Is mm-hmm. they're good. Because they remind us of earlier times. Much like L.A. Knight, people give him... FTR is the tag team version of L.A. Knight. They do things that the Brain Busters did. They do things that the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express, the Bulldogs. They do stuff like that, which is awesome for you and me because we're older. Mm-hmm. But I think if we were younger and they existed then, Tully and Iron, we already had one. We didn't need a second one. Well, right? I get so, you. But again, it's very subjective. But modern day, the- great. Right. As the evolution goes, people's top tens co- have and to they, change with the times. They've been too. SmackDown and Raw champs, right? And NXT mm-hmm. and AEW and mm-hmm. New Japan. There was a AAA. Both. Ring of Honor. All yeah. that. Yeah. Oh. It, the accolades so, yeah, are right there. They, they, they've, got, they've got the pedigree, if you will. But you, mm-hmm. I, anytime you say the Dudley boys, and this isn't just because of personal feelings, I, I would pick Edge and Christian over Dudley's Hardy's and FTR up yeah. to put up in the the Every, Everybody is subjective, but reflection as as we said with the question, does the British Bulldog stand the test of time to still be considered the top ten? Yeah. Again, it's very subjective to the person with one title. Like. Right? Uh, the Bulldogs. Yeah. In WWE, yes, just one, and, and that's back when one meant something. Like nobody ever had it twice. Yes. So with that being said, let's talk about David Smith and Tom Billington, respectively. That's their government names, and they are known as the British Bulldogs TW. So, you know, the funny thing about the British Bulldogs is, you know, they are from Leeds, England. That You know, they ain't no, it, it's not kayfabe. It's actually, you know, it's the truth. They are Winden, England. I forget which uh, town they were in. But TW, the one thing about them is that like I said, they started in their careers as foes, as adversaries to each other. In And by the way, uh, Reflectionites, they were discovered by the hearts. That's why they went all the way to Canada in Stampede Wrestling, because one of the scouts was actually Bruce Hart that brought them both 
into the Stampede area, TW. So I'm just giving you the logistics. First, it was the Dynamite Kid because the Dynamite Kid, I think, wrestled maybe a year or two more than Davy Boy Smith. But Dynamite was already building a rep because of his style being what five foot six, 185 pounds. But no one really, but no one is, but TW, no one looked at him at, well, I'm not going to say no one looked at him as small. But the style that he brought into the ring, especially his matches in New Japan and All Japan Wrestling against Tiger Mask, which is what kind of like everybody in the wrestling bubble, like the Vince McMahons and the Stu Arts, actually looked at him saying, this guy's got something. He brought a different athleticism to that. You know, I, I didn't tell you to watch that match, but that's where I'm going with it. So let's say about the styles that Dynamite Kid and David Boy Smith bring collectively together. They, they they are smaller, right? Like the match mm-hmm. against the Rock and Roll Express, you're like, holy man, they're like they're evened up. But I think mm-hmm. modern day wrestling, they, they, like well, nowadays, let me let me let me. Dynamite Kid is my height, five foot eight, five foot nine. Um, Davy Boy is maybe five foot eleven, six feet at, right. at the most. So I'm just wanted to get in, in a world where guys are six two, six three, and six nine. So mm-hmm. that's what I mean yeah. by smaller. They're not small by any stretch of the imagination. No, no, I'm just, I just uh, want to get the logistics. Well, go ahead. I'm just but they say. that European style over there was hard hitting. I, I would I would say it's funny. I, I, I never set foot in Europe, but that mm-hmm. was how I think they had the same mentality I had. Like you might think wrestling's not real, but you, when you're done watching me, you're gonna second guess it and be like, uh, maybe it is here. <laughs> maybe over here it's real and over there it's not. And that's, I mean, even all these matches that we watched to do this show, they lay it in, man. They they don't, like that dude headbutted people for real, much like Benoit. Um, mm-hmm. they, they just, he he had an undeniable, and I think the British accent helps it. It's almost like the Green Street hooligans, like those soccer fans that go around beating the shit out of the rival team's fans. They're not anything to look at but they will fuck you up. And there's something about him that's intimidating. Dynamite mm-hmm. Kid, even though he was the smaller one. And by the way, Davey Richards, if that's not Dynamite's illegitimate son, I don't know. I don't know. Hey. 23 he needs to be on the scene. He looks just like him. It's, it's, when I'm watching these matches, I'm like, that's that Davey Richards guy right there, man. And um, He went all around the world. He found a couple of rats, and maybe one of those right? rats was Davey Richards' where's, mom. Where's so, he you know. from, Davey Richards? He's from the States. I believe Seattle, Washington, if I remember. Okay, yeah, but, uh, so they, the WWE went there, and that's not far from Edmonton. So he probably mm-hmm. was laying some pipe down there. But it, they, he had such a hard hitting style that you could not, like, you would look at, like, like I always say, I look in the guys that they're, they're comic books, they're, they're He Man, they're larger than life. You would look in to the ring at Dynamite Kid and go, I wouldn't fuck with him. I ain't, I ain't fighting him in a bar. You know, and look and looking at Dynamite Kid, uh, TW, before we even talk about some of the matches and even the hist- histrionics of the British Bulldogs, Dynamite Kid in the ring was so fluid and fast. I mean, he threw a guy to the ropes. Right. And, you know, the spot like in AEW and NXT where the where the guys and the gals kind of like throw each other to the ring, but then they kind of catch up with you, you know, and that stupid shit. Like it's like going back and forth. Like I'm going to try to throw you off the ropes, but then I'm coming I'm chasing after you. Right. Dynamite did that first. He threw yeah. you off the ropes and was going 60, 70 miles an hour to throw, the, throw that clothesline. That was one of the most impressive things about the Dynamite Kid was the, the speed. Because, again, I didn't look at Dynamite Kid as small. I looked at him as fast. But 
with the body structure that he had, you know, he took steroids and all that stuff. I'm not going to excuse that, but he was, he, I didn't look at small. I look at powerful, fast. I looked at him as a hybrid. What say you about Dynamite Kid and, and, and what he did? You talked about the headbutts. You talked about him going off the top of the headbutts, but the clotheslines, the suplexes, and all that stuff. Before we even, because we know the pedigree of the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. We'll get to that in a second. But I want to at least let's focus on the Dynamite Kid because I don't think he gets enough, not not enough credit. But you know, after they broke up in the '90s, you know, British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith took the name, the trademarks, and all that stuff. So it was very bitter and petty at the end. But let's not talk about that. But let's just try to give respect and some kudos to Dynamite Kid. What say you about Dynamite Kid's stock? There's an entire company based in Jacksonville, Florida, and they give Dynamite Kid lots of credit. And sadly, a lot of them are going to end up like him because mm-hmm. they don't know better, right? He was ahead of his time. He absolutely inspired way more people than people realize, including me. To this day, if someone does a snap suplex, somebody's referencing Dynamite Kid, whether it be the commentators or you at home watching it going, like Dynamite Kid. And I watched a couple of them snap suplexes. Wait, this you, is wait, this is this is breaking news. So Dynamite Kid brought Los Brutos to the map, you could say, or the, the No, style, I'm saying he was he was uh you know, it's funny because you were saying how they feuded with each other first, and they were very skinny. That was pre-Roids when those two yeah. were going at it. That was mm-hmm. me and Rico. My first 11 matches were against Rico, and then we were a tag team for two and a half years, and then off and on again in the end. But it it's almost just parallel, to 10 years apart from the Bulldogs. You know, we did right. the same thing. Um, but they were they were the smaller guys in the big man's world, and they, they like he's the first one, right? Like, I mean, Pedro wasn't that big, but he was an old man by the time I started watching. So he wasn't really anybody you were watching win. He might have beat the jobbers or whatever, but he'd be the guy putting over Valentine or whoever in, in, the, in the main event or a pay-per-view. But mm-hmm. Dynamite and Davy Boy and then the Rockers obviously had a huge influence on me because I even tried to look like those dudes. But um, the, they, they, just, they were the first ones there, and they also – they didn't – like. You know, I don't know if people see it the way I see it. I, I would, I would assume not. But you know, I, I Every, everything all the time. is everything's very subjective, though. No, no, no. I'm sure people that have wrestled are going to look at it the same way as me. But I mean, like a regular fan, oh, you're okay. not going to notice. You'll notice a botch, but you're not going to notice where somebody's not in the right place, like I do, right? Gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. My favorite of all, I bring it up all the time. I'll bring it up again. Is when Michaels against Mankind in your house where they're t- trying to do this Irish whip in the corner, and Shawn Michaels finally gets so pissed at him, he just stomps at him and starts beating the shit out of him for real. Cactus Jack, to his credit, figured out, oh, okay, and then they got on track, and they went on to have one of the best matches ever that a lot of people don't talk about. But Michaels mm-hmm. versus Mankind in your house was a great match, and that one little spot in there, and the Bulldog has one with Vader, where Vader's just stiffing him and stiffing him, and Bulldog's like, look, man, Lay off, Leon. I'm one of four guys that'll work you. Stop it. And then when he hurt him again, Davy Boy shoots on him and starts beating the shit out of Vader in the ring, right? And most mm-hmm. people just think it was a called spot. No, he got sick and tired of Leon pummeling him and then swung back. I had to do right. that against Manny Fernandez and Bo James. But those guys gave me the confidence to defend myself if someone tried to eat me up. And Johnny Canine, God rest his soul, I know he did some bad things in life, but Bruce Bellum, he was a good man to me, and he gave me pointers. Look, kid, you're small, 
if someone comes at you like that and you don't take it, you're not getting another one. He goes, especially against me. So he goes, he was teaching me what to look for when a bigger guy was gonna let me take something. And then also told me if they ain't giving you nothing, take it. And those guys did it when they were smaller, even though obviously Bulldog is the size of a fucking minivan, but he's still small next to Psycho Sid or Kevin Nash. Or not, let's not talk about Davy Boy. Again, like I said, I want to give no, no, kudos no. to Dynamite. Dynamite's even smaller. That's my point. No, but Dynamite visually reflection. I said, if you don't know Dynamite, which... He's again, the bulldog. He is the bulldog, but I was going to call him the Tasmanian devil. Because yep. the way yep. he is, he's so fast, he's so fluid and all that stuff. Again, like I said, the clotheslines, he was quick. He was 70 mile an hour clotheslines, the snap suplexes and all that stuff. He wrestled Reflection Nights again. I again, I don't want to say that he wrestles like this guy because that's I'm not disrespecting him, but you get where I'm going with that because, like you said, he put his body on the line no matter what he did with his style again. But Darby oh, Allen, Darby, Darby Allen, yeah. not that you know, but it, if you like, if you're tunnel vision with I want to put you know, I want to make the crowd happy, I want to do whatever it takes to make the match good and memorable, and you. And you're happy paying your money to see me. Dynamite Kid is no different than Darby Allen. Their, their, their approaches are different. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I think that's the same. I, I would community. go with someone better than Darby Allen that's similar. And if, okay. if I'm picking up what you're laying down, Kurt Angle. Mm-hmm. Kurt okay. Angle got hurt doing offense because mm-hmm. he would do whatever. And that's what wrecked Dynamite was the headbutt off the top rope, the suplex out of the ring, the all the stuff he did that he did it for the fans. And I don't even mean not just the stuff where he bumped, the stuff where he's bumping you, but he also gets hurt. Uh, okay. Eddie Guerrero, frog splash off the top of the cage. You know, Snooker did it. Eddie did it. Or, or um, Benoit. Chris Benoit, Benoit is, is dynamite. That is the number one dynamite kid prototype. He He's the guy that wanted to be dynamite kid. That's why he was the Pegasus kid, because he wanted to be like dynamite. But that's mm-hmm. another one. And it doesn't, end well for these guys usually darby allen i think he i i like that darby does this shit that's how we're supposed to fall if you ever chip and fall professor turn to your back your back is built to take a bump that's what that's why he has shoulder blades right darby mm-hmm. does that stuff so he doesn't do jungle boy would be the idiot here who who's careless and no mm-hmm. offense to dynamite but at times he was careless reckless you know yeah. but but what i was gonna say is him between him and bulldog He's the mouthpiece. He's the guy. He's Bulldog is just there. You know, no offense to Bulldog either, but he wasn't the leader. It was Dynamite. And right. and Dynamite held his own. And like I said, there's an entire company in Jacksonville, Florida, built with people who, if they weren't straight up fans of Dynamite Kid, they were fans of Benoit or other guys who were like Dynamite Kid and, right. and just paid it forward. Well, again, logistically, Reflectionites, again, they started in Stampede Wrestling thanks to the scouting abilities of Bruce Hart. So Dynamite was first, Davy Boy was second, and they feuded with each other. TW, do you know why they feuded with each other first and foremost? Nope. Because Dynamite Kid, Mr. Billington himself, accused Davy Boy Smith of being a test tube Betty. I'm not joking. <laughs> that's the quote. And that's how the feud started with them in the early 80s. Test two, so, baby. 
maybe maybe he was accusing a uh, Davy boy by not being procreated naturally. He was, you know, his father just went to a sperm bank in Leeds, England, or whatever the case may be. Reflection. I'm not joking here. It, I, what I, you know, these are in my notes. I just wanted to bring that out because it's so simplistic, T.W. All he just said is those three words, test two, baby. And we got a few. We got a money few with these two going at it with each other. He stole that from Red Fox for the record. It is what it is. But again, you you steal what's going on in in pop culture. So that was a perfect way for, you know, Dynamite and Davey Boy Smith to at least start with each other. Like you said, before the roids kicked in, they're small. So they have to stand out in some way, shape or form. And like you said, Dynamite Kid is the mouthpiece. Dynamite Kid has a lot of confidence in himself because, again, he was already, I, I'm not going to, well, he was a world traveler. He went from Canada to Japan and back and forth. He's the world traveler. He's the guy with the rep. Davey Boy just looks like a virgin just trying to break his cherry. He has that face, TW. I can't, I can't lie about that, but that, <laughs> it is what it is. So that feud festers into, into all Japan wrestling reflectionites. But the promoters like Stu Hart, the promoters like Baba in All Japan Wrestling sees the chemistry that these two guys have together and they form the tag team of the British Bulldogs. So when they come back to Stampede Wrestling TW, they are the Stampede, I think it was the North American Tag Team Champions, but that's, you know, it is what it is. But they, they get their cred of winning titles, tag team titles, in not only in Japan because they were, I think, uh, junior heavy heavyweight tag team champions over there too, but they were also Stampede Wrestling North American Tag Team Champions. Now here's where it gets to the to the to the history that you and I know know very fluidly. That's when Vince McMahon, in his mission to control the world of professional wrestling, buys out Stu Hart, buys out the territory of Stampede Wrestling, the controlling interest of Stampede Wrestling, if you will. So you call it a talent. Some people call it a talent raid. Others call it a talent acquisition. acquisition. And guess what? Four people were part of that talent acquisition. Bret Hart, Jim Neidhart, Davy Boy, and Dynamite Kid. Those were four of the biggest acquisitions of Vince McMahon. And they brought them to the WWF. And the first feud for the British Bulldogs were against the Hart Foundation because they knew each other from Stampede days. Bret Hart, he was one of the top singles guys in Stampede Wrestling. He fought the Dynamite Kid one-on-one. -on -one. He fought Davy Boy Smith one-on-one. -on -one. So what do you do, TW? Since all of them have this, have this history with each other, why not put them all together? And then the first match, I want to talk about that match first. Let's talk about that dude first because that put both teams on the map not only in the WWF, but in, in the Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazines, the Inside Wrestling magazines, the Aftermax, all that stuff. You recognize these two tag teams before the rock. Well, not before, but not only was it the Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnight Express as one of the hot feuds, hot, the hot blood feuds in Southern wrestling. But for the New York audience, the Northeast audience, TW, the first hot feud in tag team wrestling for them was the Hart Foundation and the British Bulldogs. So what say you about those four? Because I gave you a match to watch from the infamous world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden in 1985. Three of those dudes were banging one of those dudes' sisters. So that must have been some nice heat in the match there. You mean Diana Hart ran a train? They ran a train? No. 
Oh, Baby okay. Boy was married to one, Nightheart's married to one, and Dynamite was married to one. Oh, I thought you meant they were like they ran a train on one of the Heart Sisters. Jesus Christ. No, no, no. They all had a Heart Sister and they were all mm-hmm. telling David that Brett. I Brett, got that. Brett probably met Ben Wan went, You too? You're gonna bang one of my sisters too, or one of my brothers? Jesus Christ. Professor. But let's talk, let's talk about the match. Do you, do you know when Brett first got there, they tried making him cowboy Bret Hart because he was from Calgary and they, they were gonna make him a cowboy and it only mm-hmm. lasted like a week or two. So the mm-hmm. best thing that ever happened to those four guys was also the best thing that ever happened to tag team wrestling because it starts with those four and it grows from there. I mean, you might have had already the Sheik and Volkov and and the U.S. Express and and mm-hmm. and uh, the Dream Team, but they were all that old school, damn near Southern wrestling style. Wyndham was a little bit more athletic, um, yeah. but you know it was it was that throwback style. And then you get these four guys out there just stealing shows every night, right? And mm-hmm. at one point, for a couple of years, one of these two teams were tag team champions because that would be the main event in the B towns, and people would pay to come see it. So uh, familiarity breeds whatever the term is. It good results in this case. The, these we, guys we, know we each other sometimes too, huh? Familiarity breeds content. That's what they, right. the old thing goes. Contempt. Content, yeah. Not content. Contempt. Right. And mm-hmm. and so the cool thing about both of these tag teams is they both went on to have singles careers and no one ever turned on the other one. They just went their separate ways, reunited sometimes. Well, you tell me the Bulldogs turned on each other and was. I'll get to that a little bit later. Well, it but didn't go happen ahead, on TV, ahead. so it didn't happen for my TV. I'll get to that a little bit later, but let's just talk about the Hearts and the Bulldogs because, again, that match, again, like you said, not only stole the show, but the fluidity, the chemistry. You know, again, they mirrored each other because Bret Hart and Dynamite Kid, they were the athletic, technical guys. Jim Neidhart, Davey Boyd Smith. They were the bruises. They were the muscle. They were all that stuff. But when Bulldog, when I going to say Bulldog, but when David Boy wrestled Bret Hart, he, you know, he kept up with him. When Neidhart wrestled with Dynamite Kid, Neidhart kept up with him in his speed and all that stuff. That's what made that match for Madison Square Garden so unique. That's what made, the, again, like you said, New York took notice, but the world took notice because Vince McMahon gave them the platform because again with hulkamania doing what it's doing for the mainstream audience everybody who's looking at wwf is like wait a minute what else is there on the undercard that match was right there that match was very noticeable and you even said at 1984 85 that tag team division was was pretty good i'm not gonna say stacked but pretty good volkoff and chic the dream team the us express a couple of years, a couple of months before that, you had Adrian Adonis and Dick Murdoch. You might have had Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas a little bit. So, and you bring those two teams in there. That was Were Rick Martell and uh, Tony Guerrero still going down? No, that was early '80s. They weren't yeah. there after that. But you get where I'm going. Samoans. With that, that. You had the Samoans. Yeah. Alpha and Sika were there around then. Yeah. So you had a pretty deep uh, roster. So what say you about this match before we get into Killer Bees? I always forget yeah. about the Killer Bees. Mm, you can't uh, forget it, about was, it was great, and it had an awesome finish, which made me realize, you know, it's mm-hmm. funny. Like, w- w- in life, when you like somebody, you forgive a lot of things. It's very uh, very prevalent in politics where you're pointing fingers at the other side while looking right past your own guy, right? Mm-hmm. These guys, at this ma- the way this match ends, they did a super heart attack. 
And while they were clearing Brett out of the ring, Dynamite cheated Hulk Hogan style. And the Bulldogs beat the Heart Foundations because of um, the, the cheating. The, the illegal man got the victory. And you know, what, you know what's funny about that? And I forget who did the commentary, but if it was always Gorilla and Jesse. It was Bobby. In 84. They, it, but you get where I'm going with this. It, he said, oh, illegal man is in the ring. Right. It, it's funny because Gorilla excused the cheating if right. Dynamite, because Dynamite did it. But then either Jesse or Bobby the Brain Heenan notices the cheating and it's not fair it's right. unfair. it's unlawful it should be yeah. stricken from the but record it, it, it reminded me of hogan with the back rakes and the eye gouges and the punches that's mm-hmm. what they were doing the whole time and and then they basically cheated the win which is fine because i'm sure there was a storyline built up before that where the heart foundation always cheated and then they basically beat them at their own game that's the whole point is the good guys triumph over evil because they got to take a page out of their book but the it was only, a beautiful finish. The only sad thing I would disagree with TW because again, the, the formula is very, very different in WWF scales. Because again, sometimes the house shows did not like amplify itself on TV, especially this one here in '85. Because maybe they might have fought once on Superstars, but that's it. But it didn't really mean nothing. This this feud was really, I would say, in my humble opinion, and you know, they fought each other reflection nights again, WrestleMania three and all that stuff, but we're not talking about that. The 87 feud was more amplified on TV with that, with the storylines and the Saturday night's main event and the WrestleMania three and all that stuff. But in 85, I would dare to say this was one of the top house show feuds because it didn't matter with the win-loss record on TV, because it almost like it never happened. But if you right. was if you was privileged enough to go to Madison Square Garden, if you was privileged enough to go to the Boston Garden, if you was privileged enough to go to the Baltimore Arena or the LA Sports Arena, or you, you Joe, Lewis right. Joe Lewis Arena, if you was privileged enough to get a Hearts and Bulldogs match, you're again, you got your money's worth. You agree yeah. with that assessment? Absolutely. And 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 it's not a coincidence that they're doing the undercard in 85, 84. And in 86, 87, they're the headliners. They are the main event mm-hmm. at a show that Hogan's not on, the B show. And then I also got to see them wrestle each other. They were the, the semi-main event, they called it. It would be the match after intermission, and then it would be a girl match or a midget match or some other match, and then it would be Hogan versus Orndorff or Hogan versus Macho or Hogan versus Morocco. Just It was it, it was it was good time to be a wrestling fan, man. And and I still tell people to this day, wrestlers will tell you this. I can tell you this as a fan now that I've been to, to a lot of the TV shows. Um, it, a house show is a better show to go see than a show that's on TV because of the commercials and the stops and the starts and all that. A house show starts at 7. It's over by 9.30. There's an intermission. There's merchandise. There's popcorn. The matches are longer. They're more competitive. It's not a squash. Um, they but while, but while this while this match, I know what you're talking about with your tangent. Don't get me wrong. But while this was a house show, this was on right. MSG Network. This was on right. cable. So right. if that, if you got it on MSG Network or if you got it on the Joe Lewis, I don't know what the Detroit Sports Network is at that time. Pass. But you knew what? Pass Pro Am Sports Network system. Pro Am Sports Network. If you got a Bulldogs Hearts match on that, the history counts for y'all. But it never counted for the whole. But field. there's a difference. It was filmed and then put on TV. It wasn't a TV show being recorded. Mm-hmm. That's but you're getting, I mean. but you're getting this match, and then it's going to go on Coliseum home video. Right. But it's still right. a good ass match. Well, with that right. being said, absolutely. But 
let's move on a little bit because again, what these house show matches was doing, Reflection Nights, they were not only was the Hart Foundation getting street cred, but the Bulldogs were getting street cred. And of course, Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson and the people behind the scenes are noticing the pops that the British Bulldogs are getting. Again, remember, TW, that the one of the best moves, tag team moves, was when Davy Boy presses dynamite over his head and flings him to to the guy on the floor with a flying headbutt. That shit was awesome. You know, I, I love that. I love Davy Boy's, you know, pop, running power slam, the, the the British stampede, you could call it. Whatever, you know, some people call it Oklahoma stampede, but again, he's not from Calgary Oklahoma. Stampede. Well, he wasn't from Calgary either, but, but he you came there. Yeah, he did, but again, but they just called it the power slam. But again, neither here nor there. But British Bulldogs were getting their street cut, and on TV, they had aspirations to become the WWF Tag Team Champions. And this program lasted for fucking at least nine months from, let's say, let's say the summer of 85 TW to April of 86. And that was the program that they had with the Dream Team. So TW, the, the history of this feud is so, is so great, but it's, it feels like it's Vince McMahon took something from Vern Gagne because there was a formula that Vern Gagne did. That kind of frustrated a lot of people, but still got people to pay the money. And I don't remember like Vince McMahon doing this a lot, but this few kind of reminds me of the AWA formula where the challengers are chasing the champions for so many months. They get so close to becoming the new champions, but then they just come up just a little bit short. So let's say because that's an AWA formula, that's kind of like an NWA formula. Vince doesn't like to do that formula of chasing for months, especially if it, you know, especially on the on the good guy scale, because at the in, in the 80s, Vince McMahon always loved to give the, the audience the happy ending and the big payoff where the heroes come out not, like you always say, they come out 90% of the time. But this was the most like gut-wrenching chase that you wanted to see the British Bulldogs become the world tag team champions. And one of the matches I gave you was a non-title match, but it just proved the point that the British Bulldogs, you know, had to had to go through these hurdles. They not only had to compete in non-title matches, but the dream team of managed by Johnny Valiant set all the rules and the parameters. So let's say about this feud between the Bulldogs and the dream team of Valentine and Beefcake. It, well, they did this. They did it with the IC title a lot too, where Hogan was the baby face. He was the one holding the reins with the world title because Hogan, Vince thought a winning champion drew. Mm -hmm. The tag team, it was such a chase that it was so satisfying that when your guys won, you were happy. But then where do you go from there, right? You know, sounds like then they got to get screwed out of the belts so they're chasing them again, right? The the money's in the chase. Um, mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, um, it worked. It's it's still one of my favorite runs ever. Hogan winning the world title from the Sheik was like, boom, it was instant. It was like he won in December, Hogan won in J January. So it was the transition champion. It was paper champion, all that. There wasn't a real, you know, but it, it, I guess you tie in the Bob Backlund part and the Sheik robbing him and Hogan come to save the day, whatever. But it, it was redemption. But the tag team chase, it's just, they, there was always something that they got. Oh, you won two falls, but the first one was a count out. They can't lose the belts because the count. Well, then they should have stopped the match right there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they can't win the belts. 
if they win the second fall, what's the point? And I want to say after that, it, it got to the point where as long as the final fall wasn't a count out or a, a disqualification, the champion still lost. Like either NWA did that or AWA did that, like in response to that. I It could be just me thinking it was a good idea, but I'm pretty sure that happened somewhere after that. It could, could, could be you. could be you, but uh, go ahead. I, remember, I mean, you, I don't know if you remember that far back. You're only like four. But remember how pissed you were when the Bulldogs won and you were all you were ecstatic and they're because they pinned them in the second fall and they're like, oh, but because they won one fall by count out there, they do not win the titles. And it's like, oh, you're so mad. And then obviously it set up WrestleMania, too. For, so it was all for good. But mm-hmm. but the chase to me, it's the thrill of the chase. It's 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 a beautiful thing. I don't think you have every belt be that way. Because like like no, right again, now, Vince McMahon did not do this formula of the AWA right, and the other right. So this was well, like, no, he no, was no, following he that formula. The, he did it with Macho Man because people were chasing his ass and not and Honky Tonk Man. Nah, but again, the person chasing those guys didn't get the payoff. All right, I this guess. is the chase. Right, Warrior ended Honky Tonk Man. Not right, that, that's yep. why I said that's why I have to push back because again, AWA and NWA did the chase. To get to the payoff, but sometimes they got greedy with the chase so much that they were like, I don't need you to be the champion because I'm not gonna make money after you win. This was Vince following that formula, but he set the date to finally get the payoff at the right place at the right time. Rosemont Horizon, April of 1986, reflection nights, WrestleMania 2, and the variables were there. And they were the main event of that building, too, weren't they? They they probably were. I think they were. Again, I didn't see. I didn't see. I didn't see it live. So uh, again, we did not know what how they were doing these matches and placements. So yeah, that was the top billing of the Rosemont Horizon between the Bulldogs and the Dream Team. And again, when the start of it happened, T. Yeah. Well, before that, the start of the feud, the Bulldogs were alone. They weren't managed by Captain Lou Albano during the the chase. They incorporated or they recruited Captain Lou Albano or Captain Lou, I think, came in saying, I can help you get to that spot. I can help you get to that promised land, that AO and all that stuff. And they, you know, they took on a manager. And then by the time they got to Rosemont Horizon, then you got the star power of Ozzy Osbourne and all that stuff. So what's ATW about the whole mesh coming to WrestleMania 2? And let's be honest. I don't know if that match equals the stuff we saw on superstars i don't know if that match at wrestlemania 2 equals to the stuff on saturday night's main event like you said with the two out of three fall stuff those were better matches in the ring this was more the the, the payoff and the memory is uh what, what you would call it i think it was davy boy taking valentine's head into dynamite who put his head out he, he leaned yeah. over and he collapsed backwards that was like it's kind of he they cheated again. They cheated right. to win, but that that finish is still memorable. But I don't think the match to me, and this is maybe I'm just right. looking at it differently. That right. match would wouldn't be a Meltzer five star in comparison to the stuff before. Well, it wouldn't be anyway, because it's WWE. But well, anyway, but, that. <laughs> but you get where <laughs> I'm going with it. that but match the memory, doesn't equate the memory to the other. Isn't the match? The memory is that they won and that right. Ozzy was there, and it was it was the. I remember I was eating a Hostess chocolate cream pie when they first came out. It was a pie dipped in chocolate and it pudding, 
pudding pie. That's what, not cream pie. That sounded gross. It was a hostess pudding pie, and it was it, glorious. It sounded, it, was, it, was more, it, it sounded other stuff, but go ahead. sounded like yeah, a T-Post uh, 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 Robert Parker pick, that, and you was eating a hostess cupcake with it. I had just got into wrestling, and that was the first thing that hooked me once I started watching were the Bulldogs. And so that, that, that 82 or 82, WrestleMania 2, them winning it, that that's what probably sink their teeth into me and made me. My first show ever that I ever watched was the one where I want to say Morocco hung Ricky Steamboat over the top rope with a belt and Big John Studd cut Andre the Giant's hair. That was one episode of Superstars. That's the first one I ever watched. week later, I saw Tito off to the races and then the Bulldogs. And something about tag teams, I think, younger kids like it especially if you like sports right you see two that's why i'm a stickler mm -hmm. where they got a match and beefcake and valentine did not match it was it was it was gross miscarriage of justice for them to be champions but um it Here's was just thing it, i want to i want to say about this because again this is why i say that this match doesn't live up to the hype and it's because i don't mind the ending but i think first of all i think the match was short it, right. it just felt short to me for all that stuff, again, in comparison to the two out of three falls that you was talking about, in comparison to all that stuff, you know, I don't, I think we've got cheated out of it. I, again, you're right. The payoff equate, you know, nullified everything that I might be nitpicky about. And again, the, the, the one thing I, I loved about the match was that the outside referee hooked Brutus Beefcake's leg to prevent him from saving Valentine from getting the pin. That was the funniest shit, too. If, if people... Was it Go him back. or Ozzy that did it? No, it was the referee. It was the outside the second referee that stopped Brutus Beefcake from saving his target. I'll from bet it's because Ozzy wasn't in his – he missed his cue. Probably because he, he was coked up or whatever the right. case may be. But that <laughs> referee – Wuhan virus. That, that referee, that, that is so memorable in my eyes. But it, that's great. But, again, the match felt short to me. Again, that's why I say the other matches are so better – well, the match you had me watch was like a five and a half minute bulldog squash. It was no, but that was the start of the parameters of the chase because you right. had to start somewhere, and it, right. and that started but at that, superstars. That was an awesome finish. That that one was was. Uh, do you remember the finish of that one? Nah, because I'm thinking more about WrestleMania two. Go ahead. So so bulldog did the power slam to to uh, beefcake. Oh, beefcake. No, he did the beefcake, and mm -hmm. he was gonna pin him. But Valentine came running in, and so Bulldog, instead of pinning him, hooked him up into an airplane spin, walked over and tagged Dynamite, who then jumped off the top rope onto the, uh, the back of Valentine and then headbutted Beefcake and got the win, which is how they won the fall on the Saturday Night's main event. I'm pretty sure that's the exact same finish he jumped mm -hmm. off of. Bulldog had Valentine up there, and he hit that headbutt and got the win, and everyone went crazy, but... Just just like you said, that they were they were ahead of their time with the, the tag team fluidity, the, the moves that they did, did did together. And that's another example of reflection right, of how ahead of the time, very technically sound that the British Bulldogs were. You know, again, the Rockers and the Rock and Roll Express and the Fantaxes get more credit, but I don't I think the British Bulldogs are sneaky good. They were pretty, technical. man. They were pretty. Yeah. It was it was it was art. And, yeah. and the funny thing is, is, you know, look at Valentine and Beefcake. Look at Wyndham and Rotunda. Look at Volkoff and Sheik. Most of the tag team wrestlers, 
the double teams would be a double suplex or a double clothesline or a double atomic drop if they were baby faces, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody was doing holding a guy while the other guy jumps off this guy's back and do that until the Bulldogs. And because originally tag team wrestling was, it was, they just put two guys together that they didn't have anything for. Here, right. Stan Hansen and DiBiase go tag team. And then some guys take it serious and like, hey, let's make a go of this. And they become successful. And other guys, like Orton and Morocco, did you ever really think of them as a tag team? I always thought of them as two singles guys teaming up. And they had it worked. my career. It worked, but it worked. So right, it but they chased for the belts and they cost the Bulldogs the belts on, uh, well, they didn't cost them. They hurt them in a house show. Uh, mm-hmm. and remember, I'll never forget it. That was the day Hogan got the necklace ripped off by Andre. Davey Boy had to carry dynamite to the ring because he couldn't walk. And then he got hit with the megaphone. I think you're getting a couple of dates mixed up. But I will correct you on this. Because after their win in April of 1986, Reflection Nights, of course, the celebration started. And again, they had some great tag team title defenses, Reflection Nights, against Volkoff and Sheik, Stud and Bundy. They, could, they should have been tag team champions, but they didn't pull the right. trigger on that. And, of course, they had their rematches with uh, the Dream Team on the house show circuit. But in Toronto in late, I believe it was November of 1986, TW, in the, in the house show against Orton and Morocco, or it could have been against the Dream Team in a, in a rematch. I can't remember the, the hyperboles. But there was a botch spot where... Uh, Dynamite Kid was doing his 70 mile an hour run off the ropes, but he got whiplash on the on the top rope. And of course, he fucked up his back real bad. He was actually Orton was on Morocco. Orton put a chair there and he hit the chair right on the disc. But he was going 70 miles an hour. Yeah. So it, it caught yeah. him bad. And then he was he was on the floor. And of course, you know, they didn't do the X's back then, but it was just it was just one of the, those biggest fuck ups. But Unfortunately, you know, there was Vince McMahon had to get the belt off the Bulldogs. So what you're saying happened in January of 1987, where and Vince McMahon, you got to give him a little bit of credit. But again, he's a little bit vindictive and evil here because this man should not have been on TV. This man should have been mending. He should have been in, in home bed. So this is one of those examples of Vince McMahon being an evil person that has no feeling and no heart. So I'll give people that. Thing. But they booked the Bulldogs to do this in 1987. But Vince McMahon did the the best he could by writing Dave, uh, Dynamite Kid out, where Jimmy Hart put the megaphone to his head, knocked him out cold. So this way, Davy Boy Smith would fight the Hart Foundation two on one with the crooked ref, with the crooked ref Danny Davis, and all that hyperbole resulted in new tag team champions in January of 1987, and it was on Superstars. So, you know, I was pissed off when I saw the British Bulldogs lose the tag team titles in that fashion with the the crooked referee and all the hyperboles. But it needed to be done, so this way Dynamite Kid can mend his injuries. So what's ATW about that memory right there? Because one of the most infamous memories of syndicated wrestling TV for WWF standards. I was angry. I'm like, yeah, that's not fair. He got hit with a megaphone. I didn't know about the the back injury until weeks later in like a magazine. Um, mm-hmm. And they, someone exposed it, how Davey boy had to piggyback him in the ring. But that was the same day that Andre ripped the cross off of Hogan's neck on the Piper's pit in January of 87. Those two things happened on the same episode. I call it 
Black Sunday because it, it crushed me. It might have been Saturday, but it, it crushed me. Mm -hmm. Hogan got turned on by Andre. Bulldogs got hurt by uh, the megaphone and lost the belts on TV when nobody ever lost the damn belts on TV. And it was probably the moment where I told my mom, I have to go to WrestleMania. And I went. I went to WrestleMania 3 because of that day. Because of that situation and that Black Sunday or Saturday. Well, that's right around the, the time they probably announced it was coming to Detroit. Was Oh, okay. They were setting up the Hogan-Andre. But, but you see that example reflection that TW gave you? Look at the investment. Look at even even his voice kind of cringe because he <laughs> he he remembered that. That's like a ch childhood trauma right there. We don't have that in our 40s, TW, in, in, in your 50s per se. But we don't have those traumas 50. of slow down. I 50. I'm not in my 50s. I'm well, in we don't know 50. the exact. I could be actually 49 right now. We don't know the you know, the calendar is not accurate. You know, there's no such thing as leap years. There's no such thing as, you know, you know, daylight savings time. So we could be older. But again, that's hyperbole. But anyway, the childhood trauma that TW exposed just made just is an example of how great pro wrestling was back in the good old days of the 80s. And of course, we don't have to get into the uh, to, to the WrestleMania three because then we'll, there'll be a five hour show. But during that time span where he was mending his injuries and then they come up short in the house show circuit against the Hart Foundation, TW, they implemented a mascot. I think now this is where we could look at it two ways, TW. What, I want your opinion on this because this is the way I looked at it. We're getting into 1987 and you can look, you could see the difference between the British Bulldogs of 1985 to the British Bulldogs of 1987. Davy Boy is jacked to the moon, and he's, you know, I, you could say he's as healthy as a horse. But Dynamite Kid does not look the same as he did in 1985. So I think Vince McMahon is seeing maybe the, not the waning days of the British Bulldogs, but he doesn't see the same value like he sees in, in the Hart Foundation. He doesn't see the same value as the Killer Bees or the Strike Forces by the time it's 1987. So now Vince McMahon has got to put a distraction in your face. And that distraction is a bulldog mascot named Matilda. So what say you, TW, about that assessment? Do you agree or you have a different take on that? Absolutely. He, he saw the breakdown of Dynamite's body. And you're talking, by the time they added Matilda, you already had Frankie and you had Damien. So that's when the term circus got thrown around with uh, mm -hmm. in regards to New York as a circus, Atlanta's a wrestling show. Um, mm -hmm. but did, did you like sure Matilda or did you think it was, did you like Matilda or did you like the mascot? As a, or kid, you think it was as a kid, but as, as a wrestler, as an adult, it's like, come, that's work. Like I guarantee you, they didn't like having to bring that dog to the ring. And that. there was someone that followed behind him. I remember reading this story. I remember where I read it, but that dog was just shit while it walked. And it was multiple versions of Matilda. There was a second one that was obviously not Matilda. And they said it was the cousin. The, the, of the second dog was Winston. The Winston, first one yeah. was Matilda. But yeah. I could pat, I, I don't mind Damien, but every other animal I just did not care for. So but it's, just, it's, it's animal abuse. Like, like, why do you bring a dog? Dogs have sensitive ear, and you bring them into a 1987 Pontiac Silverdome. I don't know why I said 1987. I meant to say 92,000 people in a Silverdome. Yeah, it'd be loud as fuck. And that dog's probably scared shitless. And then the same thing with the bird. The bird's probably like, what the fuck? Why am I here? But the, the dog was neutered, I think, because he he didn't react to anything. He was actually nah, very... You can be neutered, but you're still going to hurt your ears. You don't snip the ears. 
Bob uh, Barker made sure you say you, you spayed and neutered your dogs. So yeah. Bob Barker was looked at that dog. That dog said, would walk to the ring and shit, and someone was going behind him in case that. Did, dog did, did you it. did you see the I, shit? Did you see? I, that, it? I think that's why they probably got rid of Matilda and got Winston because of the damn poop. And Matilda was one of the reasons for a, a British Bulldogs feud with the Islanders of Haku and Kama. Yeah, no, uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan kidnapped Matilda. So, you know, that's how it started with one of those programs. But again, we're not talking about every match reflectionist. But, you know, again, it might be the waning days of the British Bulldogs TW, but they're still good chasers. So one of the matches I got you to watch was the British Bulldogs chasing the World Tag Team Championships. And the current champions of 1988 at that time was Axe and Smash Demolition. So, you know, what say you about that match? Because, again, you can see the difference of the British Bulldogs from 1985 to 1988. Did you see any differences? Did you see them trying to hold on to what they were doing in 85? Because, again, Dynamite Kid, you know, he's stubborn with his ways. The mind is strong, but the body just doesn't follow. What say you about that match? It became more heavy on Davy Boy, and also they were slower. They, like mm-hmm. dynamite wasn't the same. I still think he came off the top rope, but I don't know if he did that headbutt no more because that's probably how he jacked his back up. Besides the, the mm-hmm. um, I noticed. So it was funny because the match with the Rock and Roll Express, my memory was that the Bulldogs had the beards, but it was actually Ricky Morton had a beard in that mm-hmm. match. But there was a time where the Bulldogs had beards when they were wrestling and like I think they were in Continental or something. The magazines no, back in Stampede. Oh, 87, 88, 89, or whatever. Wait, who are you talking about? They, they, they the did Bulldogs? that. The, the Bulldogs? Bulldogs? The show the they Stampede did was the Rock and Roll. But let's go back to the, let's just talk about demolition. I'll get you, I'll give oh, you the yeah, yeah. They just, they were slower. They they were mm-hmm. bigger too. So I would assume Dynamite went on some more gimmicks to make his back stronger so that it wouldn't, would heal quicker, if you will. Um, but they, they were different. They weren't, do you, first, do you, they looked do older you? too. Right, but do you think because of the back injury that happened in 86, he didn't remember how we always talk about out of sight, out of mind? If he maybe the doctors told him take nine months off, right? You couldn't take nine months off in the 80s because that's a lot of money on the table. And it wasn't guaranteed money, right? Yeah, right. And it wasn't and it wasn't guaranteed money. So he probably had to, you know, speed up the pace with the painkillers, the pills, the steroids, and all that stuff to make a nine-month like recovery timeline to maybe a two-month timeline. That's still a lot of time of checks you're missing, but he made that conscious decision on his own, but he had no choice because, like you said, it's not guaranteed money. So it is what it is, Reflection. I just wanted to give that hyperbole there. But I've never watched WrestleMania 3 on video. I, I was there, and they were this mm-hmm. big. But I'm going to assume Dynamite didn't wrestle a lot in that match. That's why Tito was there. Um, he had some spots, you know, right. but it was very very few and far between. I get right. you that. Mm-hmm. But it, I remember it is Tito getting a lot of heat. And uh, so he got hurt in like the end of December with that chair. The belts were like mid-January when he just came out and got bonked with the megaphone. Mm-hmm. So you're talking December to April. like like, And I'm sure that wasn't his first match back. He probably did a couple house shows to get some rust off. Right. Um, so he definitely got fast-tracked back. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, the neck, the back, those aren't things you want to mess with. You can yep. wrestle with a limp. You can't wrestle with paralysis. Right. So Reflectionites... They they got fired after Survivor Series of 1988. 
So again, it depends what are they on who. Fired for the shit with the Rojos? Yes, it depends on who you talk to. It depends if you talk to Jacques, you talk to Raymond, or you talk to actually Davy Boy. So, but I guess two to one means majority rule. So I have to go with the Rujos. But as people say, Dynamite Kid was a prick backstage. Yeah. Dynamite Kid liked to rib a lot, but not rib in the sense of, of everybody laughs. I think he just laughed at his own jokes. And Jacques took the he brunt. He was a bully. Of, yeah, he was yeah. a bully. So Jacques took the brunt of all his ribs, which weren't funny, but it was just being a bully. But lo and behold, nobody knew how tough and a badass Ramon is. He's the older brother, so he, he is what he is. So one time after Survivor Series, I don't know, at a house show, Ramon beat the shit out of Dynamite Kid. And everybody no, he beat the shit out of him. He hit him one time with a roll of quarters. That still counts as beating knocked the shit out of him. Knocked him clean out. Knocked him, knocked him the fuck Dave out. Boy knew it was coming. Yeah. So it knocked him the fuck out. It looked like a receipt. But after all that stuff, and I think Dynamite Kid actually complained to either Vince or Pat Patterson. I'm not too sure about the story, TW, but I guess Vince McMahon couldn't take it no more. Or, like I said, Vince McMahon just didn't see the value in the British Bulldogs anymore because, again, after the four years, they didn't look – well, Dynamite Kid did not look like the way he did in 1985. So it was collateral damage to let both of them go. So with that being said, Reflectionites, of course, they would do the independent scenes, whatever territories were left. They still had you know, name recognition TW in all Japan and New Japan wrestling, respectively. But Vern Gagne, in one of his most – in one of his desperate attempts to get something done, saw a golden opportunity to get a dream match going. And in January of 1989, it was the Forbidden Door. It was one of the first Forbidden Door matches you, you can ever have. One of the first dream matches that if you read the aftermaths, you were thinking, what would have happened? Now, technically, some dream matches already happened in the histrionics. I mean, the U.S. Express did fight the fabulous ones, but was it tech, was it really a dream match? Not with the pedigrees, I guess, in my humble opinion. That's just me. But you got former WWF Tag Team Champions against former NWA World Tag Team Champions. The prestige of both belts being at this hierarchy, and the and the worlds collide in 1989 in Kansas City, Missouri. What say you about this 30 minute draw? I mean, again, I think Dynamite Kid wanted to prove to Vince McMahon that he still got it. I think for this purpose, maybe he got some time off or maybe he took some time. But with the WWF, you was working like 10 days out of the week. So right now he, he got to at least, you know, rest his body a little bit. This match yeah, was but good. You know what, though? When you when you wrestle more, you hurt less unless you're injured. OK, when you wrestle once a month or once every couple months, this shit hurts. Like or, it, maybe, or maybe once a week, you got to give it that. Right, but it hurts. It, it mm -hmm. Basically, every bump you take, it's it's basically, ugh, especially like what I was watching the match, things that were going through my head were like, I wonder what's going through their mind when they're used to wrestling in front of 15,000 people. Now there's like 300. And you're just like, because I, I know I'm guilty of it. I wasn't when I was young and I was full of piss and vinegar. I wrestled the same in front of 10 people as I did in front of a couple hundred because um, I was taught that. Like, hey, man, 10 people paid to see you wrestle. You give them what you came to give them, right? 
And hopefully those 10 people go 10, tell 10 more people. And next month there's 20. But if you out there and lay an egg, then they're not going to tell it. They're going to tell everybody, it sucked. Nobody was there. Um, but if you steal the show, if you will, then people are coming back with those guys. And I was watching them. Part of me felt bad. Part of me thought, which, you know, you got to have a bad reputation that they never went to WCW. That like NWA would, would happily have taken them if, it made well, money. You mean you mean the Bulldogs? Yeah. Well, like, they were they were financially strapped, so they couldn't afford to they couldn't afford them. They could have they wanted them, but they couldn't afford them. You're telling course, me an indie show could afford them and WCW couldn't? No, but again, the, remember the WCW management was te- you know it was it, 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 it was topsy turvy because it was going from Jim Crockett to Ted Turner, so they couldn't. Right. A lot of people left because of the mismanagement there. So right. it is what I it understand is. that, but I still think there's there, wrestling still a community. And even though there are guys in Atlanta and guys in New York, they're still friends. Yeah. And I'm telling you, he got blackballed because it blew my mind to see them versus Rock and Roll Express. And it wasn't WCW. That that's crazy to me. And that's mm-hmm. when WCW was having heat with the Ricky Morton. They, they were having their think Ricky and Dusty got into it or whatever the hell their problem was, because he still thinks to this day, Dusty held them back. Um, and but, that and money, of course, everything's always, always comes money. back. To, but, comes back to money. But, but what say you about this match? Because this match was a dream match per se. That's what and, it was. And I like that the Bulldogs. It started off scientific. You know, you, mm-hmm. you're in a building where most people are going to cheer for both of you. Maybe in the South, they're going to probably boo the Bulldogs if they had to boo somebody. But they took it out of the fans' hands to turn on them, and they wrestled heel. Davy Boy moved out of the way. Robert hit the post, and then from there, him and Dynamite just ate him up, and then it went to a draw. The end was kind of fucked. They they kept well, it ended in a, it ended in a draw. It it ended in yeah. a draw. So, but I know, so they but they were to trying to do them. the end where one, two, and then, mm-hmm. but they end up kicking out. Davy Boy kicked out of the double drop kick on one. I thought that was kind of shitty. Um, you know, you know, you're uh, it's it's bad enough you're kicking out of their finish that won them four World Tag Team Titles, but you're kicking out on one. And hey man, j- just so people know, it's not in the it's not in the 2000s that people were kicking out at one. It started in the 80s, and Davy right. Boy Smith did it first. So you know, yeah. you got you got to start yeah. somewhere, TW. So you know, we yeah. saw. Yeah. It. Well, I'm gonna do the Davy Boy spot. What's that? Where I kick out of your finish on one, mm-hmm. whatever your finish is, I don't care. But it was a good match, and it was technical, and then it was double team these guys, double team those guys. Um, and I don't think they ever did a rematch. So there, that's no. where. If this would have happened in WCW or WWF, there would have been a winner. Um, mm-hmm. But this is the equivalent of that super show where AWA World Champion Rick Martel fought NWA World Champion Ric Flair, and they each won a fall, and then it was a draw at the end, which is actually pretty cool that they each got a fall because neither one mm-hmm. wants to be the guy who loses the first fall, right? Because then mm-hmm. you can say, well, see, I beat him if it was a regular match. But so you, you know, so you, you think it would have been better if this was like a two out of three fall, thirty minute match where one got a fall, the other got a fall, and then it just ended in a draw? Uh, I think it would have been better in WCW or WWE because one oh. of them would have won. Oh, okay. Like thirty minute matches are dumb. Well, in WCW and WWE would have been more visible, and more people would have known about it. So that that's one thing. So yeah, I think well, this match. I don't. I don't just mean that. I mean. Someone would have said, you're going over, and you're putting them over, and that's that. But because they both negotiated their own shit there, they're like, I'm not jobbing. I'm not jobbing. All right, mm-hmm. we'll do a Broadway. <laughs> but they probably hope to do a Broadway to come back and have another match. But Dynamite Kid wasn't long for the world of wrestling after around that time. I don't know when he actually stopped, but in I 90, would doubt it was early 90. 93. He went so. till 93? 
Well, not by choice. He had no. He well, not. You Is know. he in Calgary till '93? No, in Japan. But I'll get. Yeah. I'll give you. I'll give you the logistics. Kamate, kamate, tranquilo. I'll give you all that stuff. So, in essence, T uh, T W and the Reflectionites after '88, they were touring. You know, they did their indie stuff, but they primarily stayed in the rebooted Stampede Wrestling of Bruce Hart and stuff like that. And all Japan, New Japan. So they went back and forth, winning tag team titles in Japan. And in 1989, you said that they never broke up. They actually did. But before they bro broke up, they had a brutal feud against Karuchi Vice. And I gave you one match from Stampede Wrestling. It was the British Bulldogs and a young upstart, Flying Brian. But he wasn't called Flying Brian. But it was it was a six-man tag between the British Bulldogs and... Brian Pillman against Karuche Vice because that was one of the hot feuds in Stampede Wrestling right there. The British Bulldogs against some guy named Bob Brown who's kind of like toiling. He was doing double duty as a commentator and slash manager and all that. So he was trying to be a Bobby Heaton. So let's say about this six-man match because what I wanted to give you was not only seeing Flying Brian but also another young upstart in Chris Benoit at the end. But I just wanted you to see like the past meeting the future in, in that kind of it, it was it was cool because i didn't know that they crossed paths mm -hmm. i knew that benoit was a fan of the dynamites i would assume he met him but i didn't know they were in calgary at the same time and uh the match after it that came on on its own was the follow-up to that and it was benoit teaming with bulldog and and i think pillman and it was four against four because larry mm -hmm. cameron somehow got involved in there yeah it turned into an eight man guys. Lots of yeah. dead guys in these matches. You got Stu Hart at ringside talking. You got Bronco LeGurk or whatever refereeing. You got a dead Pillman, a dead Bulldog, and a dead Dynamite. And Jesus who's Christ. Not, now you're, now you're getting... Booker's dead. Bastion Booker's in that match. He's dead, too. I'm sure... Well, the referee was Bronco Lubick or whatever. Not Bronco Lubick. That's uh, global. Bron mm -hmm. Bronco LeGurk. I don't know. Some old NWA or AWA world champion. Bob Roop. Bob Stoop. Somebody. Bob somebody. Not Bob Roop. Bob... You, you, you're getting you're getting stuck on they're names. I, just want you to, oh, I know you're saying they're all dead, but you're getting stuck on names. I just talk, want you to talk about the matches. The, uh, Who was the, the referee? The, Damn it, the referee was Pat O'Connor. It's, it's not about Pat O'Connor. It's not about Pat O'Connor. I don't care. It's about I got a question for you. I got a question for you. Okay. How come Queen Aussie is not on WWE or or AEW? Queen Aussie, the chick from Wow. I've been watching Wow ever since we did the shit. A ask Michael Davis on that one. She's hot. She can work. And sh she's younger. I don't get why she's there. Because probably. Dave got Polaroids, I think. Well, if Queen Aussie is this good, then she will be in AEW in no time. Oh, uh, she's probably holding out for NXT. NXT's got like 50 women, dude. It's nuts. But go ahead. That, that's why, again, that's the match why was a fucking clobber, clusterfuck, is what the match was. Talk about other things, because this match was not a good one. The thing that got me excited was I didn't read it right. I thought it was Davey Boy and Dynamite versus Pillman and Cavarici. I thought it was a Japanese guy, so I thought it was in Japan, and it was Pillman and a Japanese guy versus the Bulldogs. And then when I saw they were teaming, and then I saw the three jobbers they were in there against. Jobbers is, is Karuchi, it was Karuchi Vice. That, they're not Jobbers. Yeah. They were the top heels. Vulcan Singh, Vulcan Singh, and Bob Roop. Yeah, so that, that, doesn't mean they're, that doesn't mean they're Jobbers. That just means that they look history. like Jobbers. 
You got three stars on one side see, and that, three dudes that look like they just punched out at the factory. See, you, you're looking through the tunnel vision of WWE and the tunnel vision of WCW that you only respect those, those A-listers. This is like the minor leagues. Yes, the British Bulldogs went back to the minor leagues of Stampede Wrestling, but you got to go to AAA. Sometimes you got to work on your craft a little bit so you can get called up again. So you said that you, you, you said that the Bulldogs never betrayed each other. I actually will prove you wrong, but I didn't show you the, the video footage. They broke up in, in Stampede Wrestling Reflection Nights because Dynamite Smith was having a program with Davy Boy's cousin, Johnny Smith. But then in one of those instances, TW, there was a spot where Johnny Smith uh, took out uh, Dynamite Kid, but Dynamite Kid did not see who did it. Johnny Smith accused Davy Boy of doing it. And Dynamite Kid believed Johnny and never I believed Davy Boy. So I in essence, now. now in the locker rooms, Reflectionites, Bob Brown, the, the guy that I'm talking about, that's a wannabe Canadian Bobby the Brain Hidden, instigates and antagonizes Dynamite Kid. He keeps goading him that Davy Boy Smith is the cause of all this. Davy Boy wants to beat the shit out of Bob Brown. But Dynamite Kid does not want to hear from Davy Boy Smith. Guess who comes in to interfere? Johnny Smith. And Johnny Smith and, and Dynamite Kid beat the shit out of Davy Boy Smith in the locker rooms. So, TW, in histrionics, the British Bulldogs did break up. So, what say you about that? All uh, I remember this now. And then they start calling themselves the new Bulldogs or something. Uh, Johnny Smith and Dynamite. They call themselves something. Well, legalities kind of changed that. And the reason is, Davy Boy was actually smart and shrewd. He bought the trademark and IP rights to the, to the name British Bulldog. So he owned it. Dynamite felt cheated. So in Japan and in Canada Stampede Wrestling, he teamed up with Johnny Smith and he had to rename their, their tag team the British Bruisers. Bruisers, yeah. So yes. with that being said, TW, you know, it's kind of a shady thing to do, but I, I, I don't fault Davy Boy Smith for being business acumen. You know, if I own the IP rights, if I own the trademark or I bought the trademark, I can't blame him for doing that. But with the history that you have from starting from, let's say, 1983 to, let's say, 1990, 1990, TW, and you snake me out of the name. I might not want to talk to you ever again. So what say you, TW, about it's kind of shady shit. So what, what say you? Well, because you're, like, in that, you're, you're always in the thick of things, and you probably saw people, like, you know, stealing names, stealing moves and all that stuff. And you, you kind of feel, you know, people kind of felt slighted for that kind of stuff. You can feel slighted all you want, but the one guy had forethought, and you have afterthought. So you know what? You're <laughs> Be mad at yourself. No, I'm dead serious. No, no, I, I get St you. I've been Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons – would not get along if he subscribed to that logic because Gene owns everything. Him and Paul own the name Kiss, and they get to make all the decisions together. But Gene goes out and whores it out, like the lunchboxes and all that stuff. Paul's mm -hmm. bitchy at first until those checks start rolling in. Then he's like, okay, okay. But the point is, Gene Simmons, probably to this day, sits around and reads the patent book, and he finds stuff that's going to expire soon. And the day it expires, he goes and buys the patent. One of the patents he bought was Whiteout because Whiteout was coming up for the renewal. And you know who, who invented Whiteout? Who? Oh. The dude, the tall, boring guy from the Monkees. 
who quit and didn't do all the stuff in the 80s when they got back together till the end. Uh, I forget his name. Mickey Dolan's his or mother. Something? Huh? Mickey Dolan's or something like no, that? No, Mickey Dolan's, Davy Jones, and Pete uh, Wentz. Peter uh, Tork. Peter Tork. Tork. Mm-hmm. Those three kept going. The other guy, Chris Naismith, Nismith, his mother invented Whiteout. Oh, and really? When the pet, yeah, and he inherited all her money when she died. So he's like, I don't need to be in the monkeys because those guys were actors. The monkeys was actually a role, and then they just turned it into a music career. But Gene Simmons bought the patent for Whiteout because it was coming up, and he's like, I'll take that. Now, anytime there's Whiteout on a bottle. Gene Simmons gets a check and he's smart. That's, you know, he, he, he knows to do that. His son's band, they, they had a name. I forget what it was called. We'll just call it bad company for the topic at hand today. Mm-hmm. And there was another band called bad company. And they were like, Hey man, you can't use that name. And then Gene goes, did they copyright it? And they go, yeah. He goes, all right, then go get a new name and copyright it. He goes, you know what names not copyrighted? And his son's like, what? He goes, engine as in search engine so he told his son to name his band search engine and buy the copyright that means any online shit that uses the term search engine he's got to get money he's got to get money he didn't do wow. it band, mm-hmm. but that's gene simmons for thinking he's like there's shit mm-hmm. out there to make shit just waiting to get made money and and mickey mouse i don't know if you know this the longest you can have a patent on something is a hundred years Right. Mm-hmm. After that, okay. it becomes public domain. Disney was going to lose Mickey Mouse around 2000. And the courts were like, because you know, there's still Disney heirs, right? Like the grandkids and what great grandkids. Mm-hmm. They let them redo it. But other than that, you're about to see Mickey Mouse on everything because they didn't have to ask permission no more. They didn't have to pay royalties. Um, you know how when you sing a song on Facebook and it gets muted out because it's copywriting? Mm-hmm. If it's considered a standard, which is I think fifty years or older, you don't have to have permission, and it's not copyrighted, it's like Christmas songs. But I just gave you a little education there. But Davy Boy Smith did nothing to Dynamite. He did something for himself, and if Dynamite felt slighted, it's because he didn't even think to do it. Now maybe he thinks Davy Boy should have bought it together. That's that's a different argument. Mm-hmm. But to think he stole it from him. No, he didn't. It was Vince's and he bought it from him. You could have done the same thing. He just had the idea to do it. And you did. Right. A lot of people get mad at people for doing shit before they do no, it. No. Don't be mad again, at it depends on how you look at it. Again, Davy Boy was shrewd but smart. And that's why people remember Davy Boy more than probably Davy Boy as the British Bulldog than the British Bulldogs. That's another reason why, again, and I'm not saying that I'm, you know, again, it's subjective, TW, but that's why the British Bulldogs sometimes are taken off the top 10 because of the elongated career of Davy Boy taking I'll, the name I'll British Bulldog. I personally hated that he called himself the British Bulldog because I took it as a slight. Like, dude, come on, mm. man. Just be Davy Boy Smith. You know, be dirty Davy Boy Smith if you got to be, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. The Duchess or the Duke Davy Boy Smith. Just, just call himself the British Bulldog. By the way. I wasn't mad at Davy Boy. I was mad at Vince because I thought Vince made him call him that. But mm-hmm. if you're telling me he owned the name, then then it's him. It's him making his money. Right. Um, oh, I forgot to show you this. I got one toy this week. Oh, the big boss man. I thought you were going to show me a British Bulldog stuff. No, I got him around here. Oh, there he is. They, they don't have dynamite stuff unless you want to buy it from uh, hack, the only. Hack I, I think. 
at Cardona, they they got a figure like that coming out for Dynamite, but they're fifty dollars each. It's a scam, uh, man. I think the only Dynamite kid available was the LJNs from nineteen eighty five six. Well, yeah, there's a new one now. The the, the the what the hell you call it? Major podcast show or whatever. They oh, they okay. create figures. They pay companies to make figures. They're called Heels and Faces, and they're making a dynamite that looks like that Davy Boy. And I was gonna buy it, put him with my Davy Boy, but they want forty nine ninety five for a little ten dollar five dollar toy, and I'm not doing it. Mm. Well, to put a bow on this reflection ice again, Davy Boy had more of a storied singles career with the moniker of the British Bulldogs. And of course, the Dynamite Kid retired in 1993, but he was subjected more because of his ailments, TW. He was subjected to be in a wheelchair and he was subjected to hospice care. And he died at the age of 60 in 2017 or 2018, respectively. Alone. Alone. And again, you know, a single man doing what he did. Well, he he, he had kids, but yeah. again, he I guess they were bastard kids in his eyes because and kid, whatever the case may be. And of course, Allen, baby Richards, yeah. he had them all. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Davy Boy Smith died abruptly in two thousand two or two thousand three from a heart attack. But that was years of steroid abuse, years of drug abuse. Tw. So let's WCW a, killed that man. By putting that stupid trap door in for the Ultimate Warrior, I killed Davy Boy Smith. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm, you I'm know the story, giving, right? I heard. I remember that because of he the, took a bump on the hinge. There's he a didn't fucking know. hinge in the ring, and they got guys wrestling around so the Warrior can trap door. Stupid. Mm-hmm. Just cut, turn the lights out, have him crawl out from under the ring, stand in the ring like everyone else. So once that happened, it ruined his career. He got hooked on pain pills, and he was sleeping on his couch all day, every day, doing pain pills until his heart stopped. That's yes. WCW's fault. But, TW, let's put a happy spin on this. So let's put a bow on the British Bulldogs. So give your, you know, let's give your final thoughts on the British Bulldogs and how much they meant to you. Just expound on it since, you know, they, they kind of influenced TW and Los Rudos. Are oh, you there? What happened? <laughs> oh no no! I said I got distracted by track tag me on something. I, but I, I, I thought you. I thought it was. I thought it was the network. I thought it was Biden doing something on me. I said <laughs> let's put a bow on this. Give yeah. us happy thoughts about the British Bulldogs and, and anything that you want to talk I, about, dude. Wembley Stadium, like Bulldog versus Brett. It's one of the greatest matches of all time. It's even better when you know the backstory. Um, but you, but you see, you keep going with the one guy. I'm trying to say the Bulldogs. No no no. Plural plural. <laughs> go back i'm gonna go back but i'm saying we we don't get davy boy versus brett if we don't have all the stuff we've talked about the four of them coming in together when calgary got raided we don't we don't get it if dynamite doesn't get hurt because maybe they stay a tag team um so i'm trying to find the good and the bad of the injury to dynamite and it is it's i've always had this uh sadness for davy boy weirdly enough i didn't have it for dynamite and it's probably because out of sight out of mind you mentioned that earlier and also he wasn't very well liked, you know, he, he, for all reasons. He, he almost felt like it was his karma, which I don't believe in. I, I don't want that to happen to anybody, even people I don't like. I don't I don't want Biden fighting, falling off his bike and falling off these stages. I want them to put that guy in the corner with an ice cream and just make sure he's okay. I don't mm-hmm. want people hurt, you know. Um, but Davey Boy, I always had this soft spot for him. He's always been one of my favorite guys, like unsung I wish he would have won a world title. I understand why he didn't. Razor Ramon, same thing. They get in their own way. But as as messed up as he was, as 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 worried as Brett was 
when when they were out there because they didn't know where Davy Boy was for 48 hours. Um, he showed up and he did it. Even if it was listening to Brett, he always had it. And mm-hmm. and Dynamite had it too. Dynamite just he he just he burned through it too fast. But I I promise you, the British Bulldogs, the the powder blue, the red, white, and blue with the Union Jack flag, the the half blue, half red boot with the inseam white and the outside one is red one is blue all that stuff they're iconic to me uh, this room would be full of bulldog merchandise if, if bulldogs merchandise if it was available um mm-hmm. they are absolutely part of the reason that i got hooked on pro wrestling they were probably the first storyline that i got caught up in because i want to say it was the fall of of 86 when i saw that andre the giant stuff they went to saturday morning and that was the hot thing when I started watching wrestling were the Bulldogs and the Hart Foundation. Actually, no, the Bulldogs and the Dream Team. That was that was that that fall of 86 into spring of 87 winning the belts. The, and, mm-hmm. and I never, ever was not a fan of them. And so I, I said it before. We did our tag team ratings. I never really put them up high enough on there because, A, it was so long ago, right? It's, they haven't been a team in my eyes, because I didn't see none of that Calgary stuff. I read about it in magazines. So you're talking 88 to now, which is 35 years ago, was their end. Which, by the way, I didn't like the finish of the demolition match either. Just double act handle to the back of the head and he's dead. I don't like that. But but those guys, they, they inspired smaller dudes that they could do it. They, they also inspired people who were small that were in a tag team because they thought that was their only way in to mm-hmm. be a singles guy after um but whether it be sean or brett even you know brett probably did it before davy but but they all did it and and dynamite is tragic it's absolutely tragic um again if he didn't if he didn't burn as many bridges there'd probably be more flowers headed his way if if you if you will um but he gets relegated to dark side of the ring and all that stuff but i would say this i would hope those guys loved every second of it right like to give everything they gave I would hope it wasn't just a job at one point. Maybe in '93, when you're struggling to get out of bed, and you got to do it. That's different. But and, but that and I, and I would and I would hope you would put them in the WWE Hall of Fame because they do deserve it. They absolutely. do deserve it because they, they have a WrestleMania moment with yeah. the way they won. They yeah. have a history. They have a, they have a SummerSlam the, moment with David Boy. At the very, I mean, it's all they're all tied together. I can't. Mm-hmm. So you, you say I keep talking about the one and not the other. I can't think of Davy Boy without thinking of Dynamite. I can't. Even even mm-hmm. by himself. I mean, imagine how awesome Dynamite would have been in the Heart Foundation. He would have been the best talker there. He would have been fucking loving being a heel. He would mm-hmm. he would have been awesome in the Heart Foundation. And I I wouldn't even need to bump nobody. You just yeah. have another guy, you know, yeah. Nightheart, Bulldog, Brett Owen, Pillman, and and Dynamite. It would have been awesome. That that's a good what if. What if Dynamite was healthy enough to be in the in the, Him in the Heart leather Foundation jacket with no sleeves with the fucking gimmick on the back, and he wouldn't have had the Heart Foundation logo. He would have had that small, and he would have had a big ass Union Jack flag on the back of his jacket, and he might have even been the leader, co-leader at the very least. What could have been? What could have been? And with that being said, we close on this pro wrestling spotlight, this tag team spotlight, honoring the memory of Dynamite Kid, Tom Billington. And Davy Boy Smith, collectively known as the British Bulldogs. So, what are we gonna do next week, Reflectionites? I'm actually kind of excited for TW on this one because you know I always like to give TW something that he could smile about. 
And for next week, Reflectionites, we're going back to the movies. Now, TW might not smile because we're going to watch a movie, you know, we, you know, we do a movie episode, but I didn't tell you what we're going to do, TW, so this might make you smile. We are going to relive an infamous episode of The Adventures of Superboy. Ooh. Ooh. And the reason we're going to talk about this one, because in 1990, Reflectionites, season three, the episode was called Mindscape, and there was a very special appearance with an evil Superman by the name of the total package, Lex Luger. I have asked remember that was er, that was season three. Yes. So we're uh, gonna enjoy. I See? got another movie for us for when we do it again. I'll tell you off. But here. but TW was smiling. He's a little bit giddy knowing that it's not only the total package, Lex Luger. It's Superman. And it's Superman. Super Superboy. Boy. But next week we are going to the movies and we're gonna do an episode, The Adventures of Superboy. Guest starring the total package next movie. So, TW, give out those socials so we can get out of here. Yeah. So, the Pro Wrestling Coalition Network sponsors us at Podbean at PWC Network at Podbean.com. Also, Hameen Media Group at Podbean.com. And also, HMG at ChannelAttitude.com. Our handle's at PW Reflection. Um, Big Ray Hernandez, you can find him everywhere on social media. All you gotta do is put at and then write Big Ray Hernandez with no spaces. And you can find him every Wednesday on the Next Level podcast as well. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at TommyWonder19X. Or you can find me on my my baby face Twitter and TikTok is at TheTommyWonder. Is, is, is it really baby face or is it tweener? It's all heel now. I, I try to stay off of there. I'm I find just... myself writing stuff and then just backing out of it because... It's, you know, if you have nothing good to say, don't say nothing at all. Because people are so yeah, stupid, I, I, I have you. to say stuff sometimes. I have to I point you. out their dumbness. It, it's uh, fine. But uh, at the Tommy Wonder is my TikTok and my good guy tweener uh, Twitter. Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. Snapchat is number wonder. Um, and then you can find Big Vito in the well at bigvitobrand.wixsite.com patreon.com backslash the big veto brand and you can watch the early release of this video and every other video at twitch.tv backslash the big the big veto brand and you can find me on my excerpt at pwsoprof that's pwsoprof and if this gets uploaded by 8-track brown this will be available on the pwso youtube networks follow my brothers in arms the the man of the Wednesday locker room, Billy Ray Valentine at Obi-Wan, you know me. And, of course, the king of the reactions, Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon's back. So get ready for those reactions. Ahsoka reactions with 8-Track Brown at the number 8, T-R-A-C Brown. And, again, next week we're going back to the movies, doing the adventures of Superboy with guest star, the total package Lex Luger. And with that being said, I'm the professor, Chababa Cruz. And that's my man, the brother, my brother from another mother, the conservative liberal, the liberal conservative Tommy Wonder saying good night and we'll see you next time here at the PWR podcast at the Ami Media Group at Pawbeam.com. Shut up! The hell the hell is it? Oh, oh yeah, that's Ozzy. Okay. <laughs> I like what the hell do I gotta do with the bulldogs? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>